This podcast is presented by the Florida Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners Association and the Florida Department of Agriculture. I'm Tammy Gant, and I'm joined today by our guest, Dr. Krista Seltzer, the manager and owner of Solera Farm here in Ocala, Florida. So I know we were talking a little bit um, earlier about your farm. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit how um, you came about Solera Farm and then also how you came about purchasing Field Commission because he's the first stallion of yours that I remember at the farm. Right. So we've had the farm since 2006, and really we didn't even in- intend to have a farm that had a training track or anything like that. We really have always wanted to bring our weanlings that we've had in Kentucky. My dad's always believed that Florida raises a fantastic horse. So we always like to have the babies once they're born in Kentucky, they stay there till the weaned and, and be here. So that's what we really want to do. Have a farm that we could raise our weanlings in the nice and, sunshine. And, exactly. Nice and they get, you know, they don't have any restricted time because the weather's always good. Lots of vitamin D you know, good nutrition. I mean, the grass, it's like even growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. And Florida outruns their pedigrees all the time. I mean, they truly do, it seems like. Um, so the farm actually had a training track on it. We were thinking, well, it's a great farm, but oh my gosh, what do we do with the training track? Because we don't know. And um, as luck would have it, Curtis, who was on the farm for several years at that time, we said, well, would you be willing to stay on with us? And he said, yes. And Thank goodness he did. <laughs> so, so now it's great. So we have the we have that. So field commission was actually one of the when we bought the farm from the Mitchells, one of the um, yearlings that was. So it was like that, about a dozen yes, horses. Yes, yes, about there. a dozen a dozen of those. I mean that that were there. So he was one of those um, horses, and we raised him in Canada, and he obviously was successful, and he was. A wonderful horse to be around, and he was so horse of the year in Canada. Yeah, correct? yeah, he was the champion sprinter. Yeah, he was champion, champion sprinter, sprinter. and mm-hmm. um, he could go long and short, from what I remember. He didn't go too no. long. He really yeah. mostly sprinted, but he did all surfaces. So he, all surfaces, he ran that's on what it the was, synthetic yeah. and turf in Canada. Then we had given him when he was start. He would always because he was Ontario bred. Um, we would race him at Woodbine, and Danny had Danny uh, Bella was training for us at the time, so we would give him the winter off, and he would always go back and race there in the spring. Well, what, and in his older, I mean, it was his five to six year old year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. When he was coming back training, he was doing great, but we thought, well, he's just not moving as well as he normally did, I think. And so we just said, you know what, let's just give him the year off because we don't have to push him or anything like that. He wasn't lame, but he just, you know, yeah, had yeah. had a lot of miles on him. So when we were bringing him back for the, the next year, our mate, we said we really want to try to run him on dirt and at the time there wasn't dirt at woodbine yeah so we got him back after a long layoff i think it was 18 months and decided to um try him on dirt at calder so curtis ran him off the track uh, off the farm and um he was pretty incredible on you know I remember that race. I was there that day, and he's he's a he was a flashy colored horse anyway. Beautiful horse, um, really has a presence about him, yeah. and so it was and very, a very kind horse. Yeah, he seems very kind, he kind very guy. Kind. Very, I didn't realize that he was um, that kind, but I always noticed that yeah. the stallion shows he was just such a good yeah. boy. So talk a little bit about what made you stand him here, I guess, because you had the farm and you didn't have an intention to have a stallion station, did no, you? No, never. And <laughs> no, we didn't ever intend. That wasn't the plan. But when he got hurt in the smile. And um, 
first we just wanted to make sure that he was okay. But the fact that he could do dirt, and, and what was really interesting that I forgot to tell you about that, that before we ran on the stake of Calder, where he broke, I mean, he did a new stake record, um, was I had said, because we didn't think because he was by service stripe, it wouldn't be as appealing to people, you know, potentially standing a sub. Plus, he had mostly just run on the grass and synthetic. So mm-hmm. in this country, it's, you kind of have to, you don't always have to have dirt, but it's help, you know, it's more helpful. And so I had said to my dad, I love this horse. He's gorgeous. He has heart. He has so much talent, speed. He's got a decent pedigree. What about if we just bred him to some of our own mares? So we actually did do that to a handful of our own mares, never intending to stand him at stud. And then, because I said to Curtis, and, and then someone heard we were breeding him, they're like, can I send a mare? And he was like two weeks away from shipping down to run. And uh, Curtis said, no, I don't want to do it that soon before the race. So he was an incredible mind. He was breeding mares, went on an 18-month layoff when did the race. So we just thought, but then he hurt himself. So I was hoping he'd be okay to stand if we were going to, and he was, and then we thought, well, and why he not? Because he, he, so he did so well at the dirt, and yeah. he could do all the surfaces, and and he was just he was he had, he had a great mind. He was a good great horse. offering to the uh-huh. Florida breeders. I remember the the uh-huh. stallion show going out there, yeah. and and a lot of the breeders looking at him and and saying, this is the, you know, plus just his fame yeah. from being on three surfaces. So now, flash forward, you've got a couple yeah. stallions at the farm. Yeah. Now, you want to talk a little bit about the stallions you got at the farm? A little bit about right. the bloodlines or what you believe they offer the Florida breeders specifically, or not just Florida breeders. I mean, people from out of state obviously can right. come and breed to them sure. too. Well, the two of them, I mean, Grayness, who is older, obviously he's 24 this year. And, and he, he's, he was a homebred, right? He was a homebred and Adina started, you know, stood him. But then he, I think when they left Florida, he kind of went on, I don't know, into different adventures. He was at, at Pennsylvania. And then I think he was down here a little bit. And then and he came to us much later, mm-hmm. basically for retirement. And we were happy to retire him if he needed that. But he loves his job. So yeah, um, that's great. we certainly don't push it. But And he's the last Mr. Prospector, obviously. So that's um, a good key standing. right there yeah. that he, I think he's yeah. the only son of Mr. Prospector standing in the state I, currently. Yeah, I don't think, oh, in the state and maybe even in the country. Because I don't think there's any, I think there was one in Canada. And I could be wrong about that but um i think but he has limited, limited access yeah. to that to that so that and generation. he has a great female side of his pedigree you know harbor club which we ran we we bred her i mean so he greatness is i think a oh God, third gen- i mean there we've had multiple the female family generations generations yeah and um so he has a great page a lot of speed very classic mr prospector and a lot of durability i mean he's just he's and he's Still going, you know, at 24 and happy to do his job. And then Rogish is also the same female family into mischief horse that um, out of Arahi mare, really handsome and very typical of the family, you know, precocious and speed, but they can carry their distance a little bit. Yeah, and Rahi's, I, I remember meeting Rahi at, at pasture many years ago, just a, a nice horse too. Yeah. Again, again, I right. think I see there's a trend with you, you that, mm-hmm. that you're very um, honest with your horses, yeah. that you make sure you have a good horse and they have durability um, as far as they, they, you know, they just, they, they're they good stairs. Yeah. They like to go and go and they, and they also are ones that you have a connection with that you've right. kept for many, many years, yeah. which is really amazing. Yeah, it's, well... When you raise them from the babies, you kind of get attached to them. Not that 
you don't sell some because you have to make a living, but and hopefully we put some good ones out there. So yeah, yeah so you do a little bit of um, breeding to race mm-hmm. and breeding to sell, mm-hmm. and then um, like you were saying, you put house mares under the horses first, right. and then and, and you have how large is your brood bear band here, oh, and how gosh. large is it in Kentucky? Well, we just sold some brood mares in this past sale because we're going to actually for Roish because I mean his. His folds really sold well. I mean, and they're they're very handsome, and I, I really they're really really nice. Um, and I'm not saying that just because it's roguish, but they were really nice. Um, so because we want to move a bunch of our mares that we have in Kentucky that we typically breed, you know, to that level of stallion, um, down here to breed to him. Great. We'll probably bring about ten to twelve mares uh, that we have up there um, that normally. Mm-hmm. With state of Kentucky stallions that we're going to use to breed to him. Well, as the Florida breeders, we're glad yes. to hear that. Really glad <laughs> so, to hear that. But yeah. but you know, uh, for us. Um, as Florida Breeders Owners Association mm-hmm. and the Florida industry, you know, your investment in, in, yeah. in the, the, the property that you have and the investment in the horses and bloodstock you keep here, and you are a veterinarian in our mm-hmm. community, so you know how robust it is here and how great it is mm-hmm. to have horses here, especially this, you know, in the springtime um, for this wonderful weather for foaling and in and, and the breeding it's, season. It's great for that because, you know, we have to have foals. Well, don't, I mean, everyone wants to have a January foal, right? But here you can have one and it's nice and they can be outside and they don't have to be locked up in the cold and the ice. You know, it's a lot more natural. And I think it's the vitamin D and the even nutrition plants. You know, sometimes, and Kentucky's great, don't get me yeah. wrong, but they get this lush spring and then sometimes the horses shoot up. And I mean, it's great both places, but I love that the horses can get out. It's interesting you bring, bring up this, the growing season because mm-hmm. you're correct. There were times in, in the Midwest where we would have to pull our horses off right. the grass because it was just a little too right. lush. But here, like you said, the even right. growing, you've got the spring foot aquifers and both are great horse country for sure, but yeah. there is a little bit of that winter yeah. time advantage. And so you talked a little bit and it was interesting because mm-hmm. you know you said that when you were a very young age, when you were two, you were interested mm-hmm. in having your own horse right. or pony. Right. Um, and then you mentioned a little bit to me once about how your dad uh, was in Chicago and how he kind of um, got, I guess, got the family involved and got yeah. involved with horses. So you want to talk a little bit about his passion for the thoroughbred? Yes. he. Did. I mean, he wasn't raised around horses and actually... Um, and your dad's name. So my dad, knows. Edward Seltzer. Yes, yeah. Edward so, Seltzer. And he, that- he's been doing a long time. I hope I can never be as smart as him in the business. And it's a passion for him for the breeding. But the way he got started in it, it was, I think he was, oh God, I, I want to say in his late 20s, maybe, or, and he was at a card game playing with a bunch of guys. And one of the guys said, oh, I just ended up with this racehorse. I think it was some cheap claiming horse he said does anyone want to like go in with me my dad said sure and I think I mean his part might have been five hundred dollars and he said I didn't have a lot of money I didn't have any money at the time but and so he said that they had a lot of fun it wasn't very successful racehorse but he fell in love with the game and then that was it so then he just started doing it sorry to purchase yeah. horses here and, and then there he was really um and he really got started more in and you should talk to him more about it because he's better at telling the stories than I am obviously because I wasn't alive at that time but (laughs) he um he got started claiming and then he really um realized that he was very successful in claiming horses that he started looking and saying these horses are bred for the grass and so he would sometimes claim and then they would put them on the grass. So they, they were running them on dirt, but he saw yes. they were well-suited for turf. Right. So he made a, right. a smart claiming play, right. moved them over to that, mm-hmm. and had success. Yeah. And I think because at first people were saying, oh, it's a turf foot or it's not a turf foot. And he's like, I think the pedigree says sometimes it's turf. So, yeah. 
And yeah. we have a lot of turf horses ourselves. We just have kind of an, a love of turf, too. So, Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think there are some folks that have that affinity to seeing their horses run mm-hmm. run on the grass. And so, yeah, so yeah. his interesting, it almost began to sound like the beginning of a movie. You know, yeah. dad was playing cards in a but card game in yeah. Chicago, <laughs> and I got exactly. a horse. You know, but, but yeah. sometimes that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, like you yeah. said, you said that you, from a young age, just knew you wanted to to be around horses right. and then um, went into the veterinary field. Mm-hmm. You want to tell a little bit about, I think it's kind of funny how you were kind of fixing up some animals when you were young, little oh, yeah. stuffed yeah. animals. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was around eight, I th- said to myself, all right, a little before that, actually, I just want to be a veterinarian. I just want to be a veterinarian. And um, so I would ask my brother and my sister, can you just look and see if any of your stuffed animals have a hole in them or something? And just, and I had my little vet office. And it was in a closet <laughs> I made, just in a little closet, you know, and uh, I would have them and I'd sew them up. And It's such a but, cute story yeah. because you think about it, you could have ended up being a seamstress. <laughs> yes, you're right. But it's I don't think, and I, yeah, and, and you're actually sewing up animals. And, <laughs> and you're an actually stuff. authorized surgeon. So yes, some of those skills from surgeon. back then, mm-hmm you know, apply yeah. today. And sure. so you, you tell a little bit about your role at the farm, because I think a lot of horse people know that we carry a lot of hats. Right. But in addition to being a working veterinarian, mm-hmm. you also do a lot of management of the farm. Yeah. So I look, at, well, Curtis, our farm manager, you know, he's, he does mostly the training barn and, um, and the training and the breaking training. And he really kind of oversees everything in general, you know, if something's going awry we're like call Curtis get Curtis here <laughs> but I do mostly managing the brood mares and the foals and the yearling barn and um, I mean we all do it together really it's 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 but that's we have too many horses for Curtis to be everywhere so mostly the training is his and I'm definitely no trainer I don't know what 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 that's all about other than I can watch a horse go on the track and say yeah it looks good or it doesn't look good but yeah training's not my thing but the but the mares and the foals and the and the weanlings or slash yearlings, and then we prep them for the sale and for the ones that are going. And we don't really breed commercially, to be honest with you. I mean, we don't breed for sale. We breed to breed a racehorse, but you have to sell some mm-hmm. in order just not to have so it's many. Just and part plus of the portfolio, if right? You will. So and um, then you manage really the farm to, there and uh-huh. here. And right. what would you say is that now that you look back on your career and love of being a veterinarian and all the horses, what do you think is the thing that you're most passionate about? Is it being around the broodmares and foals? My, the most, I love, to be honest with you, the whole idea of breeding and raising a good horse. And that means to me that you breed and raise a good horse of sound body, mind, and from every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So that they're healthy from like when the foals are born to make them, you know, grow healthy, be healthy, be horses and give them all the foundation that they need so that when they're weaned, it's an easy transition. And then from the weanling, when when we hand them over to the weanling barn, I want those babies to be like, this is easy and I'm good. and. And then the same thing when they go on to the training barn, that it's not a big shock to them. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. easy. We don't overhandle. They're still growing up and being horses. Mm-hmm. And also to breed a good sound racehorse. And which means, and we try to, we really try to do that confirmationally, um, mentally, and also ability wise. And sometimes it takes a little longer to know what your mare needs or doesn't need. And same thing when we decided, when we decide to stand something 
And we never intended to be a stallion farm ever. Yeah. But field commission to me, which started, it was we thought this is crazy, but we never thought about doing it. You know, he had all the goods. He had a decent enough pedigree. He had a great mind. He, he had great ability. And he was a nice, beautiful, sound horse. And it's the same with the ones that we have. I mean, obviously, they're homebreds, but uh, we believe in them. Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's just an amazing story for someone that says one day they want to get in, involved in the business. And then also, if someone wants to breed to a stallion, you know, there's, there's greatness and roguish at your farm. Thank you for coming in. And thank you th- so much for highlighting Solera Farm. Again, this is uh, Dr. Dr. Krista Seltzer and her, her father, Ed. If you ever get a chance to run into him, I'm sure he'll share a lot more stories than we could today. And his brilliant so yeah thank you thank you thank you so much